Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And as you are opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus is going to do today is he's going to show us today how to pray. Okay? We know that last week we were looking at uh, the teaching from Jesus on how not to pray. And I want to remind you about last week's teaching because Jesus was addressing the religious people. He was addressing those that, that had a relationship based on religion, based on do's and don'ts, on how to reach God. And so when Jesus addressed these religious people, he was basically letting them know that, that you know what, when you pray, you are, you are praying to be seen by men. Okay? And, and as we look, think about this, right, how many times have we prayed to be seen by men? He was telling them not to be praying repetitious prayers. In other words, don't be repeating the same words over and over again. Stop repeating phrases. Stop repeating these words. It's okay to request the same thing over and over again, but not to continue to repeat the same words over and over again. He also told them, you know what, I don't want you to be praying long prayers to be seen by men. You know, these people were praying so that they can receive the praise of man so that they can appear to be spiritual giants. And we know that when you try to appear to be a spiritual giant, you are only an actor. And that's what he was telling them. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You know, your hearts are, are, are not right before me, and yet you want to appear as if you are right before me. See, God's desire when it comes to prayer is that you and I would pray with a right heart, with a humble heart, as well as a confident heart, knowing that, that God is going to answer our prayers. He's going to meet our every need. And so as we look at this, right, Jesus wants to give us instructions on how to pray, how to spend our personal time with Him. You know, as we think about prayer, right, and, and I want you to know this about prayer, and I repeated it last week, and I will repeat it this week. When we pray Basically, what, what's happening is that we are asking God Himself to release both His strength and His power through us. We want Him to effectively release this power. And we want to be praying with a right and the appropriate heart. And so what we're going to discuss is we're going to discuss the points as to how to do this effectively. You know, these are the key points that he brings up today on how to pray, you know, in our prayer closets. How to allow the strength and the power of God to be released from us. You know, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer, or, or, or I shouldn't say that, I should say the model prayer. And also, it's called a family prayer. And so as we look at this, right, how many of us were, were taught, you know, the Our Father as, as, as young children, how many of us repeated the Our Father over and over again? I think many of us came from this type of background where, where we would say it, you know, 10 times or, or 20 times or actually some of us were even told by certain priests to go out there and, and say that prayer for 25 times, right? And so as we look at this, right, it's important that we understand, you know, this prayer and, and really what it means. 
See, because God's desire is not that we would be repetitious with our prayer, because you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's based on open communication. It's based on, on, on communication that, that, that speaks your heart to Him. You know, when we think about this, right, how, how is it that you and I talk to one another? How is it that you and I speak to one another? We communicate, right? We speak. How would you like to be hearing over and over again the same words from somebody? Imagine this. Imagine if our children or our, or our, or, or our loved ones repeated the words over and over and over again on a daily basis. How would we we'd be like, you know what, stop it. I don't want to hear it anymore, right? See, it is God's desire that we would just have just a communication line. Just the way that I speak to you is the way that He wants us to speak to Him. But remember this, with a fear of God, with a reverence for God. You know, as we, as we look at, at our hearts, right? How many of us, and let me propose this question to you. How many of you? When you first became a believer, when you first surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ, how many of you thought and heard others praying and you were saying to yourself, I want to learn to pray like them? You know, many of us have the same desire, the same thought. It goes through our minds to say, you know what? Look at how they pray. I want to learn to pray that way. See, every person, as, as you hear somebody that has a relationship with Jesus... You desire the same thing. You desire to pray like them. Did you know that people that heard Jesus pray? Because remember when Jesus walked on earth, right? Jesus would be like a, 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 a stone throws away. Or he would be like at this corner right here at this corner bench right in front of me. And the apostles and the disciples would, would be listening to Jesus. And they would be listening to how he would speak. And their desire was to learn that way too, right? Because... Remember, Jesus prayed. He prayed to the Father. And the way He communicated is the way that some of you communicate to God. And so, when we hear this type of communication with God, our desire is to pray that way. And let me prove it to you. Look at what it says in Luke 11, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass, and He, speaking of Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And when He sees that one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. See, you have here, right, the disciples themselves are asking Jesus, I want to pray the way you pray. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how it is that you do this. And I want to share this. Imagine, Jesus, Jesus himself, is he not the image of the invisible God, as it says in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. See, Jesus Himself knows who He is. Jesus Himself knows who the Father is. Jesus Himself knows our needs. He knows our shortfalls, our temptation. He knows the enemy. And He knows His power. And because He knows all of this, He wants to teach us how to pray and communicate all these things to Him. You know, as we talk about prayer, what is the purpose of prayer? As, as I mentioned, it's, its purpose is to release the power and the strength of God. And so what Jesus wants to do is He wants us to experience the victory that we can have 
through prayer. See, you and I will experience victory. And I want to share this with you. A praying man will be a man of victory. I'm going to repeat that. A praying man, and I'm talking about both men and women, will be a man of victory. See, today the Lord wants us to walk in victory. And the only way to walk in victory is to really to experience a victory that comes through prayer. And as we talk about this, as we talk about this model prayer, this family prayer, I want you to know this, is that Jesus is not mentioned anywhere in this prayer. But I want you to know this, that Jesus is all over this prayer. Even though His name is not there specifically, He in fact is in every point of this prayer. And I will prove that to you as we go through the various points. Let's go ahead and read, here beginning in verse 9, and we're going to go through verse 15, okay? As it says here in verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I want you to know that the last two verses are not part of the model prayer, but actually we will incorporate that into verse 12, which talks about forgiveness. And, you know, as we look at this, right, as we look at the, this model prayer, I want to show you how this prayer is broken down. When you look at the sequence of the prayer, it begins with our prayers that are starting in heaven. And that is in verse 9 and 10. And then it drops down to our prayers for us here on earth. And that is verses 11 through 13. And then it repeats and takes us back up to heaven above. They're at the end of verse 13. So you have the prayer that starts in heaven and moves down to earth and then it returns back to heaven. Another fact about the points here in the model prayer is, is the fact that it begins with worship and adoration. In other words, it begins with uh, worshiping God. It begins with adoring God. And then it moves into our needs and our weaknesses beginning there in verse 11. And then it returns to the power of God that we so desperately need at the end of verse 13. And so as we see this, as we see what Jesus is doing here, you know, what's so amazing about this is that the one that knows how to pray, the one that teaches us how to pray is the one that is God Himself. 
You know, as we look at this, right, realize this is that God himself is teaching us how to pray. See, God knows our desire and our need for prayer, and he's the one that tells us how it is that we need to pray. And so the first point that he gives us is here in verse 9, where it says, Our Father in heaven. I want you to know this, that when we pray our Father in heaven, what we are doing is we are talking about his place of residence. Okay, this is where he lives, right? We're talking to our Father who is in heaven. And when we think about the Father who is in heaven, when we think about God in heaven, what is everyone doing in heaven? They are worshiping, okay? So immediately when we talk about our Father in heaven, we are placed now in a, in a place of worship, okay? We are transferring ourselves into a place of worship. And so our prayer begins with worship. And as we think about this, right, we think about the fact that God deserves our worship. And we know one thing is that every heavenly or every heavenly being that is there is worshiping God. And we know that He deserves worship. We know that it all belongs to Him. And so as we are praying, we are moving right from earth to heaven into a place where God dwells, into a place of worship. And as I previously mentioned to you, and I bring this up to you because Jesus is all over this. As we talk about our Father who is in heaven, understand this. How is it that you can call God the Father? How is it that we can come to a place of saying, you are our Father? The only way to do this is through faith in His Son. See, you and I cannot call Father, Father, unless we have done what? Unless we have come to a place of believing and surrendering our lives to our Heavenly Father. See, this is what He says in John 1, verse 11. It says there, He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. See, you and I have the right to call Father, God the Father, Father, because of Jesus. When we placed our faith in Him, we became children of God. And now we have access to the Father. Even though Jesus' name isn't mentioned there, we must come to the reality of understanding that in order for us to meet God the Father in heaven above, we have to go through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. This is why Jesus Himself says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through Him, as He tells us in John 14.6. And what's amazing about all of this is that you and I come into, the, into a place of acknowledging that we are a part of the family of God. You and I can say that, you know what, that I am a child of God. And just like Jesus Himself that calls Himself the Son of God, you and I have the right to call ourselves sons and daughters of God. And so when Jesus would pray Himself, He would say, Our Father, right? Or He would address His Father. You and I do the same thing. You and I, as we begin our prayers, it's, it's a matter of, of worship, a matter of 
of submitting to Him, of, of joining the other heavenly beings in heaven in worshiping Him. So what's the next point? As He moves on to say, Hallowed be your name. When you look at the word hallowed, I want you to know in the gr- Greek, it means holy. Okay, It means holy is your name. So when we start off, right, we start off really with a, a place of worship, right? We're saying, you know what, we're worshiping you with, with the others that are in the heavenly place. And now it moves into a place of adoration. And what I mean by this, I want you to understand this, is that as we move from this state of worship, we now move into a place of giving God respect, where we say, holy is your name. See, what we are doing is, as we give Him respect, now we are adoring Him. We are in a place of adoration. And the reason we are in a place of adoration, because see, holy is His name. In fact, His name is holy. And let me share this with you. God, there is no other like God. And when you look at the names of God, or the holy names of God, He gives us these names so that we can know who He is. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus, or God Himself, gave us various names about Him so that you can know who He is. See, when God gave us His various names, He gave them so that you can have an understanding as to who He is. You know His very character. You know His very nature. You know His very being by the various names that He's given Himself. Let me give you a couple of these. How many of you are familiar with the name Jehovah Jireh? There's a few of you, right? A number of you that are familiar with this. What does the name Jehovah Jireh mean? It means the Lord who provides. So in other words, we are coming into a place when we say Jehovah Jireh that you are the one that provides all that we need. Everything that we need is provided by you. Your provision is what I need in this life. And so as you can see, I mean, this, his name is, is Jehovah Jireh. This is, this is who he is. He's a, he's a God who provides. There is another name that he has and another name, and I'm only going to give you three. Jehovah Rapha. Who is familiar with Jehovah Rapha? There's a few of you that are familiar with Jehovah Rapha, and this means the Lord who heals. In other words, it is God that brings a healing upon our lives, and we're talking about spiritually, we're talking about physically. The only one that can bring healing upon your life is God Himself. And so we acknowledge this, right? We're acknowledging, you know what, God? You are a God who heals. And God gave us His name, Jehovah Rapha, so that we would understand this. He also gives us another name. And who is familiar with this one? Jehovah Nisi. A few of you are. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is our banner. And did you know that Moses was given this name by the Lord when he was facing the enemy? And what's so amazing about this name is that it brings to light the fact that there is victory in our battles. That God Himself will bring victory in your life against the enemies of your life. And we know that as God Himself tells us that He is 
God, Almighty God, it reveals really His omnipotence, right? That He is the most powerful being that there is. And this is the Lord Himself. This is the most powerful God. So when you say His name, you are saying that His name is holy. There is only one that can do these things, and it is God Himself. And so as you begin to say, holy is your name, you come to a place of, of, bring, of bringing adoration to God, of, of adoring Him for, for who He is and what He does, for His very nature, for His very character, for His very being. As I mentioned to you how Jesus is in all of this, I want to give this scripture to you from John 14, verse 9. And it says this, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? See, what Jesus is saying is that when, if you want to know who God is, you see me. You want to know my very character, my very nature? It is a reflection of who God the Father is. I am a mirror of who God is. I came from heaven above to show you who your, uh, who your Father is. And this is what's so amazing. And as we look at this, right, holy is your name. So it moves from worship to adoration. And now it moves into the glory of God. As we say here, or as He asks us to, to pray in such a manner, He says, Your kingdom come. And as we look at this, understand this. When you think about the kingdom of God, it is twofold. And I want you to understand this because the kingdom of God is twofold. The kingdom of God is to rest in your hearts as well as a future kingdom, okay? And when we think about this, right, it is God's desire to establish His kingdom in our lives as well as to bring a future kingdom, which we'll talk about in a second. I want to talk about the kingdom of God that desires to be glorified and shown in and through our lives. In Matthew 6.33, it says this. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We seek this kingdom of God, this kingdom of God that, that we desire to live in us, to be in us. And we know one thing is that the only way to receive this kingdom is through faith in His Son. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. See, we know that we need Jesus desperately in our lives. You and I need Jesus reigning in our hearts. See, our lives are so messed up without Jesus. This is why we came to Him. We saw that there was an absence of glory. There was an absence of truth. There was an absence of peace. There was an absence of holiness. When we were directing our own lives, what happened is we make a mess out of our lives. And so what we need is we need Jesus reigning in us. We need the kingdom of God reigning in our lives. You know, as we think about this, right, I also said, I also said that, that you know what, that, that it's twofold. That as we look at this, right, as we think about this kingdom, it is, it is twofold. See, because what we have right now is we have a world 
that desires to reign in us. Our flesh desires to reign in us. Satan desires to reign in us. And until we invite Jesus into our hearts, these are the things that will reign in you. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I mentioned that it was twofold. See, God's kingdom will one day come upon this earth. Do you remember that God Himself came upon this earth? God Himself walked upon this earth. God Himself was crucified upon this earth. God Himself was put to death on this earth. And His desire is to come to be king upon this earth. And He will do that. See, God has promised in His word that He will return as king. And He will reign for a thousand years upon the earth that He walked in. See, when Jesus created the earth, He made it His own. And what happened with us is that we gave the deed because of our sin over to Satan. But the intent was that God would be king. And so what he does is he wants to fulfill the promise that he's given us to come back as king and to reign on earth. And this is what is called the millennial kingdom. Where he will come and once again reign the way he intended to reign from the very beginning. And when is it that the millennial kingdom comes? It comes, what, after the rapture of the church and after the great tribulation and then the millennial kingdom will be here. And millennium stands for a thousand. So Jesus Christ will reign on earth for a thousand years. And you know what's amazing about this thousand year reign? Is that you and I will also reign with Him upon this earth. This is what's so amazing about it all. This is why we are here on earth. And as you prove your faithfulness to God, as you prove your loyalty to God, you will be rewarded. And you will be rewarded in reigning with Him. Whether you're going to be a governor of a city, whether you're going to be the overseer of a town, whether you're going to be the mayor, whether you're going to be a teacher, whether you're going to be in charge of those that, that provide water and things. We don't know how we're going to reign, but we will reign with Him. And you determine how you will reign with Him based on what you do here on earth. And this is what he talks about in Revelation 20 verse 4 at the end. It says there, And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. He's referring to His saints. He's referring to... Those that lived on earth, the church, as well as the Old Testament saints, as well as the tribulation saints, all of us will be reigning with Christ. And what He desires to do, remember when we talk about His kingdom come, 
His desire is to, is to really make things new. And I love to refer what He does in us as to what He will do in the kingdom to come. Remember what he said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1? And many of us are walking testimonies of this where he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, what he's going to do upon this earth is he's going to make it what? Brand new again. It's not going to be the way it was. It's a renewed earth. It's a, it's a new earth. And, and this is what we're talking about when we ask him for his kingdom to come. How many of us here want His kingdom to come? I think most of us, right, we have this desire in us, and so Jesus is asking us to be praying for this. And then He talks about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as we look at this, right, how many of you are praying on a daily basis for God's will in your life? You know, our desire, and I shared this with you, right, is to... Be praying for God's will. Whatever God's will is in your life, you should be praying for it. And what you should be asking God is, when you wake up in the morning, asking God, Lord, may I walk in your will today. Whatever works you prepare beforehand, may I walk in them. You know, when we think about this, right? We know that God's will is happening in heaven. Why is God's will in heaven? God's will is happening in heaven because He's reigning in heaven, right? And so what He's asking us to do is, you see the way God's will is happening in heaven? Pray that God's will will happen on earth. See, He is asking for a transfer from heaven to earth. But the only way for there to be a transfer from heaven to earth is for us to desire this. And this is why He's asking you to pray for it. See, He is asking for you to desire God's will in your life. The only way for this to happen is for us to do as He says here in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, my son and I, we were talking the other day. Actually, it was yesterday. And my son was asking me, you know, Dad, he says, you think that there could be another revival on earth? Can there be another awakening on earth? And I said, absolutely. I said, but it's dependent on us. See, God's will on earth depends on us. Are we praying this? Are we desiring this? You know, I want to take this one step further. And I want to give you some insight when it comes to the last revival that we saw, what, 35 to 40 years ago. And this revival, this awakening happened through Pastor Chuck Smith. It's called the Jesus Movement. You know what was so amazing about Pastor Chuck Smith? Is that he did exactly this. He says, you know what? I'm not going to live no longer for me. I'm going to live now God's will. I'm going to allow God to move through me. 
I'm going to surrender my life to do what He wants me to do. And you know what was so amazing about this is that He says, you know what, I'm going to deny what I want and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. See, God's power and God's will and God's revival will work through people. Every great revival and every great awakening happened because there was one person that said, not my will, but your will. Are we at that point? See, if we want a great revival, then it must start with us. You know what was so amazing? Is that as Pastor Chuck Smith said, not my will, but your will, people saw it and people caught on to it. And people were saying, you know what? As I see the Spirit of God overflowing through Him, it's touching my life. And as it's touching my life, I desire the same will. I desire God's will, not my will. And you had this whole Jesus movement with all these pastors, with all these men and women that said, you know what? We're on board with this. And God did an amazing movement. My son asked me, is God ready to do this movement here in La Puente? I said, it has to start with me. It has to start with me. Am I at a point where I have said, I am surrendering my will to your will? Just the other day, the Lord revealed to me that I wasn't there yet. That I had sin in my life that I needed to give to Him. That I needed to surrender my will, my wants, to His. That I needed to reflect Him. And you know what? And this is where we have to also check ourselves. Where are we? You know what? God wants to start through me. If we are to start in a revival in this town, in this church, into this city, then it has to start with me. And believe me, this is what I'm praying. There can be a revival in this town. And it can overflow to the cities around this city. But it must, we must make a decision that it starts with us. Look at what Jesus reveals to us. And this is what I shared with my son. Because I can easily say it. But we must prove it through the scriptures. I shared with them from Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9. I said this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. Is your heart loyal to Him? Are we at a place where I can say, You know what, Lord, I want Your power to flow in and through me. I desire this. I will this in my life. And I am going to be loyal to You and my allegiance will be to You and only you. Are we there? This is a question for you. It's a question for me. Do we want the will of God to be transferred from heaven above to this earth? It is God's will and it is God's desire that this will take place. As we move on, as we talk about here, give us this day our daily bread. You know, now we move from God's throne to, down, uh, to earth. So we're moving from heaven to earth. And as we look at this, right, I want you to know when we talk about give us this daily, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you thought that this referred to food? How many of you, when you were younger, you would pray this for food? Many of us did this, right? Many of us had an understanding that, you know what, this is what God wants to provide for us. He wants to provide for us our needs, our food. 
Well, I want you to know this, that it goes beyond food. It goes beyond just having food to eat on your plate. It goes into a place of asking God to provide all of your needs. Are we praying this? Are we saying to ourselves, you know what, that I am completely dependent on you, God. I can't do anything apart from you. I need you to provide everything that I need. See, when we think about the heart of God, look at what it says in Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? You know, the greatest delight and the greatest pleasure that God has is to provide for His children. Because you have the same heart that God has. How many of you as parents want to provide for your children? Every single one of you. And God has places in your heart. How much does this reflect His heart? It's all of His heart. And as we begin to pray to provide our daily needs, we come to a place of telling Him, you know what? I cannot do anything without you. You know what? I am at a place that I need you to provide everything. See, our daily prayer should be that on a moment by moment, on a day by day, that God will provide for us. See, we need the bread of life to avoid starvation. God will give you your daily bread to handle your problems, to handle your adversity, to handle your pain, to handle every single need that you have, God will do it. Are you completely dependent on Him for this? Are you saying, you know what, I can't do it without you. I need you in my life. This is how God wants us to pray. And then He moves on to verse 12 where it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, what Jesus is talking about here, He's talking about sin. You and I must be consciously aware on a daily basis that we are sinners. Remember what His Word says. To the one that knows that He's been forgiven much will love what? Much. If you are consciously aware of your sin on a daily basis because God is saying, I want you to be praying to forgive us our debts. He wants you to be praying to forgive you of your sins. See, we got to be con- closely connected and we got to see where we are and how wretched we are. And we must understand that if we continue in sin, it only separates us from God. This is why he tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I want you to know this. There is a renewed power in us when we seek forgiveness. You and I must be seeking forgiveness daily because of our sin. See, there can never be any peace in our life unless there is repentance. Because, see, confession and repentance, they're very different. I want you to know this. Confession acknowledges your sin, but repentance walks away from it. And when we think about this, right, when we think about our sins, we must have a heart of repentance. 
Remembering that you and I can easily slip into sin, and so we must have a daily request that He would forgive us of our sin. See, you and I owe everything to Jesus. You and I owe everything to Him as we talk about this. He's the one that forgives. He's the one that paid the price for our sins. He's the one that did it all. See, we have a debt to the one that has forgiven us. This is why it talks about debt. See, when you realize that it is Jesus that has given you everything that you have, that has forgiven you, that has blessed you, that provides for you, that protects you, that restores fellowship with God, that gives you eternal life, that allows you to reign with Him, when we start thinking about these things, then we know that we are debtors to Him. See, you owe your whole life to Him. And this is the mindset that He wants you to have. To know that you are a debtor to Him. That all your life has now, should now be given over to Him. See, when we think about this, right, our tongues should be given over to God. How many of us have said things that are not appropriate? We offend people. We say things we shouldn't say. How many of us, having given Him our hands, our hands to glorify Him and to do things that bring Him glory and honor? What about our feet, walking for the glory of God? What about our thoughts? Our thoughts. How many of you had a bad thought this morning? I think every single one of you should raise your hands. I had a bad thought. I had something that went through my mind that wasn't appropriate. Do we ask God to forgive us? You know, this should be our mindset. Look at what it says in Romans 8 verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Right? We're not in debt to our flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We are debtors to the Spirit. To live according to the Spirit. To put the deeds of the body, the flesh, away. And to allow the Spirit of God to reign in us. And let me show you a sign of the fact that you know that you are forgiven by God. Is when you forgive others. Understand this. When you realize your forgiveness from God, you will forgive others. See, when, when you are not forgiving others, then basically you haven't understood the power of forgiveness. And this is why as we jump now down to verse 14, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Are you bitter against somebody today? Are you holding unforgiveness against somebody today? How many of us are not forgiving our husband for things that he does? How many of us are not forgiving our wives for things that they have done? How many of us are holding anger and bitterness and unforgiveness towards our parents? How many of us are unforgiving towards our children? How many of us are unforgiving towards our friends? How about our boss? How about our co-workers? How about the neighbor down the street? We cannot be, we cannot say that we are believers if we are not forgiving of others. 
And Jesus is telling us in His Word that if you're not forgiving others, then I can't forgive you. Then you're not mine. We must realize that we must be a people that forgive. This will hinder God from working in and through you. The fullness of God that wants to work in you cannot if you are harboring unforgiveness. If you want God's will in your life, on this earth, if you want the power of God and the strength of God to be released from you, then we must have a heart of forgiveness. We must forgive others. We must forgive our debtors, those that have sinned against us. Verse 13, it goes on now to say, and do not lead us into temptation. As we talk about the forgiveness of sin, the Lord is now asking us that we would be praying daily. You know what? His power to keep us from the temptation of sin. See, we have an enemy, right? And there's three enemies, if you don't know. There's the devil, right? Which we all know he's, he's not that guy with horns and a, and a tail, He's actually a beautiful angel. He's a magnificent, beautiful angel. He was so he was like the, the perfection of, of beauty. But yet he hates you. And then you have your flesh. Understand this, your flesh that is at war with you. The Spirit of God is telling you to do certain things, and your flesh is at battle with it and saying, Don't do it. I want you to live for me. I want to be satisfied. And there's a constant struggle within you. And then the world, of course, is our third enemy that says, look at all that I can give you. Don't you want what I can give you? All of these enemies are working against us. And it is God's desire that we would be asking Him to help us from falling into that temptation. See, you and I are prone to sin. This is what we did, what we were so good at. You and I were all professional sinners. Did you know that? That you were all professional. You were all, you all should be high paid sinners. Unfortunately, the wages of sin is what? Is death. This is what these enemies bring upon our lives. And it doesn't matter how seasoned or mature you are in the Lord. You should always be praying that to keep you from temptation. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, if you think that, you know what, I've matured, you know what, I'm okay. I, I'm not going to fall in that. You know what, I can hang out with. You know, with these, these people that are, you know what, drunkards or, or people that are haters or people that are murderers or people that are jealous or people that are bitter or people that are lustful. I could be around them, you know, and I have no issue. Hey, you better be praying this. You have to be praying this. And the best thing I would suggest is, yes, you can be there to give them forth the gospel, but as soon as you do that, you want to run. You want to leave, otherwise you will fall. 
See, there was Josh. Remember Joshua and they fought against Jericho? Remember it's the one that they blew the trumpets and, and the walls of Jericho fell as they shouted and they blew the trumpets? Do you remember how Joshua and the Israelites, they thought, they were like, you know what? We've defeated the most powerful nation here in the promised land, Jericho. No one else could take it down. And so when they went to this little town called Ai, this city of Ai, A-I, they said, ah, these guys are small, they're tiny, we can take them down, no problem at all. What happened to them? They were defeated. They were defeated by this little city. Take heed lest you fall. And understand this, when it comes to this temptation, God always gives you a way of escape. You will always hear a voice in your mind telling you, walk, get out of here. There's an open door for you. You better leave now. The problem is we don't listen. We think that we're, you know what, we can withstand it. We think that we're, we're strong. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He can't, he's not going to give you something that you can't handle. But with every temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There is a way that is given to you always to escape every temptation. But understand this. You and I are allowed to be tested by God. God wants to test you over and over again. And why does He do this? Because He wants to grow you. He wants to mature you. See, if we are trial free, then guess what? We're not going to grow. We're not going to mature. He wants to make sure that you grow. And so He gives you these trials to be in. And He wants you to become perfect. He wants you to become mature. He says this in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The reason I bring this up is God wants you to be praying for the power that He gives as you go in the trial and to get you out of the trial. See, the one that leads you into the trial is the one that will lead you out of the trial. And you got to be praying for Him to do that. Lord, you know what? We don't pray, I want trials. You know, Lord, I know I'm going to have a trial. Help me, strengthen me through it. And I know that you will lead me out of it. As we keep going on, it says, But deliver us from the evil one. The eighth point that I want to share with you is that you and I have an enemy, as I mentioned. And the reason I say he is an enemy is because he desires to destroy you. And before we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are following this enemy. Because we are headed on a road of destruction. We make our lives a mess. And this enemy is a great enemy. He's a great foe. He's an uh, enemy that is greater than you can ever think. Even though he's beautiful, even though he's, he's, he's the perfection of beauty, his heart is evil and it's wicked. And this enemy is so mighty and so great that God knows that. And that's why he's saying, you know what? Pray that I be delivered from the enemy on a daily basis. Understand this. This enemy is so great and powerful and he, there's even an additional might that he has 
And I want to reveal it to you. The fact that he's invisible. You cannot see this enemy. He is so mighty and powerful and he is even greater because you can't see him. How do you know when he's tripping you up? You don't. How do you know it's his voice and not God's? You would hope you would know. You would hope that you would be able to distinguish. But many people don't. How do you know it's him leading you into temptation? Sometimes you don't. See, he's so invisible that you don't know where he's at. And this enemy is, 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 is a great enemy that the Lord is asking you to pray daily that you would be delivered from him. The only way to have victory over this enemy is the one that defeated this enemy. Do you remember what we're celebrating today? We're celebrating communion. As we celebrate communion, we celebrate the victory that he had over sin and death. See, Jesus Christ conquered sin. Jesus Christ conquered death. And understand this, that the only way for you to conquer both sin and death is through Jesus Christ. The one who had the victory is the one that will give you the same victory. This is why I've been sharing with you. This is why you hear others telling you, put on the armor daily. You need to, you need to be prepared for the battle beforehand. And the only way to be prepared for this battle is to put on this armor that will give you victory. And the only way to put on this armor is we put it on by faith. Just like you can't see this invisible devil, you can't see the invisible armor, but it's there when you pray it by faith. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The power is His might. It's not yours. The strength is His. It's not yours. The might is His. It's not yours. Put on the whole armor of God. The armor is not yours. The armor is God's. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The only way that you can stand in victory is through Jesus Christ. Are you putting on this armor daily? See, the enemy wants to destroy you. And why does he want to destroy you? Because he wants to rob the glory of God. You know how he robs the glory of God? When he drops you. When he makes you stumble. When he makes you fall. You are robbing God from his glory. God's glory is being robbed from you because guess what? You're just like everyone else that fell. The enemy wants to rob God of His glory. God wants you to walk in His victory. Because then He will be glorified as people see you and they will say, Look, look at that person. He's not like me. He's not like the rest of them. There's something different about Him. This is how God is glorified. Because He is the one that is living in and through you. One final point. Point number nine. It says there, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
as we look at this. Who is the king? Who is the king? Jesus Christ is the king. His word tells us that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me share this with you. You are not the king. Okay? Yet we want to live like we're the king. We want to receive the power. We want to receive the glory. But understand this. Is that it reminds us in this word, in this word that for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This belongs to Jesus Christ. It is His kingdom. It is His power. It is His glory. It's not yours. It's not mine. And what happens is, is that we all want to rob God of this glory. And God is saying, remember on a daily basis that it's my kingdom. Remember on a daily basis that it's my power. Remember on a daily basis that it's my glory. It's not yours. And if we constantly have an awareness of this, then we will remember to give Him all the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know this. When Jesus Christ gave us these words, He wanted you to have an understanding as to how you should pray. He wasn't asking us to repeat everything word for word on a daily basis or to repeat it 10 times or to repeat it 20 times. He just told us previously, right? He told us there in verse 7 of chapter 6, stop saying repetitious words. See, Jesus Christ wants you to know how to pray. You don't always have to say, Our Father in heaven. You could say, Lord, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I come to you. And I come to your heavenly place. I come to to the place where you're at and I ask for mercy. Holy is your name. You are the... You are the God. You are the first and the last. There is no one else like you. You know what? Throughout your prayer, what are you saying? You know what, Lord? You know what? As you go on to talk about certain things, then you ask Him, Lord, I need your will to be done in my life. I need your will, not my will. I'm tired of my will. I saw what my will did to me. I want what's happening in heaven. I want it to happen in my life. I want you to reign. Lord, you know what? I need you daily. I need to depend on you I, to provide everything for me. You know where I'm lacking and I need it. Lord, I'm just, I messed up today. Man, you know what? I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I wanna, I'm so angry and bitter at this other person. Help me to forgive them. I can't do it in my strength, but I can do it in yours. I have your heart now living in me. Help me to forgive my dad. Help me to forgive my mother. Help me to forgive my wife, my husband, my friends, my co-workers. Help me to do this. I don't want to be separated. I don't want anything to separate us. Lord, as you see me, I, I feel tempted by these things. I feel tempted when I'm around my friends that are drinking, that are partying, that are doing drugs. You know what? I feel tempted by this woman or by this man. I don't want to be around them. Help me. Give me that way of escape. Give me a strength to run away from these things that that so easily want to destroy me. Lord, I know the evil one. Lord, I know you have power and victory over him. Help me to walk. Help me to put on the armor daily. I need this. And you begin to recite the armor of God. 
the bounds of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. May I put these on daily. May I be ready for the warfare that's before me because I'll be able to stand. And you tell them, Lord, I just want you to be glorified. I want your power to release through me. This is your kingdom. It's not my kingdom, it's your kingdom. You see how we can put it in our terms. It doesn't necessarily have to be vain repetitions. This was a model prayer. This was a, 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 a family prayer. This wasn't meant to be a prayer that you follow. But it was to use every single point that He gives us in our daily prayers. The way God has made, it, made you. We are all unique. We are all very different. We all speak differently. You all have your own language. Some of you have different accents. Some of you have, you know what, have, have a way of, of, of slurring your words. Some of you have a way of, of using expressions. God made you that way, unique. You pray the way God has made you. Don't think that I got to be this holy roller, right? Using these long words and using these repetitious words. You know what? Pray the way you are, the way God made you. Communicate because you have a relationship with God. It's a relationship that is built on love. It's a relationship that is built on surrender. It is a relationship that is built on faith. It is a relationship that will release His power and His strength when you pray appropriately. Amen? Amen. Let us, let us close. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for just revealing Your Word to us, Lord. Lord, for revealing the points that, that we are to pray on a daily basis. We know that we are sinners, as Your Word says, that we sin daily. And we know that sin separates us from You. And we must come to you for forgiveness. Even your word tells us that before we take communion, that we are to come to you with the right heart, not in an unworthy manner that is plagued with sin, but a heart that is surrendered to you, that is right with you, that is humbled before you. If there's anyone here that wants to surrender your life to Jesus Christ to a have Him forgive you of your sins. To give you a new life. To change your whole way of being, your whole way, your thoughts. To give you power to be victorious in this life. It comes through surrender. By placing your faith in Jesus Christ. If this is you, I ask that you will raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone wanting to do this now, raise your hand. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else besides this one? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't let the enemy continue to have a footstool in your life. Don't let the enemy have an open door in your life. When you come to Jesus Christ, He makes you brand new. Old things pass away. He transforms your life. He gives you a new life. So I'm going to give you one last opportunity before we take communion. If this is you, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw the, these that raised their hands. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. My sin has separated me from you. 
I want you to live and to dwell in me. I need your power. Holy Spirit, release your power in and through me. Speak to me when I'm tempted to sin. Speak to me when the enemy is is ready to bring destruction upon my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for sending your Son. And with these words, I now confess that Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pass out the elements. Spoken worlds were formed, you breathed and life was born. You knew that one day you would come. So far from heaven's throne, clothed in human form, you showed the world the Father's You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Your grace has broken every chain. My sins are gone, my debts been paid. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Your grace 
is broken every chain. My sins are gone, my debts to pay. You gave, you gave your life away for me. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Your grace is broken every chain. My sins are gone, my debt's been paid. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Finishing up here with the uh, passing out these uh, these elements here, you know I just feel compelled to give one more one more opportunity. If you know that your life is messed up apart from Christ, if you aren't right with Christ, let's make a confession. Repent of our sin. You know, God is not going to be mocked. And it is God's desire that we would acknowledge. Acknowledge our our wicked ways. And that we would allow Him to conquer. To give us victory over these. So this is you. I'm going to repeat the sinner's prayer one more time. And you can pray this in your heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I ask you into my life to forgive me, to reign in me, I need your power. Holy Spirit, you are God. And you have the power to transform me and to free me. May I align my will to yours. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I thank you for receiving me even even after my sins. Yes. Beginning today, I am a new creation in you. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as we think about the bread of life and we look at this bread that we have, This is called unleavened bread. It hasn't risen. The leaven isn't in there. When we think about this, right? Remember, Jesus Christ was a perfect, perfect person. He never sinned. Leaven is a sign of sin. This is why we have this bread. To remind us that, you know what? There was no sin in Him, but yet He became sin for us. 
Amazing love. Amazing love. To think that, what, remember when we talked about how he, how sweats of blood came out of him? He was awaiting all sin that would come upon him. And with that sin that came upon him, he knew it would separate him from his father. Someone that he had been united with throughout eternity. It would come to a place of separation because of sin. This is why it was so huge for him. You and I, we, there's no way that we would be able to do that or withstand it. But yet, he allowed them, his body to be pierced. And he allowed him to, allowed man to scar him. And as we look at this, we're reminded of it. Let us partake. And then he said, the blood. You know what? My blood brings forgiveness of sin. See, without the blood of Christ, there's no way that we could make it to heaven. This is now the new covenant that if you place your faith in the one who gave his blood for you, you will be saved. Imagine that. And that's what we've done today. For those of you that have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved from the penalty of sin and death. Let us partake. And so with that, you know, we just remember today, it's a glorious day. Not only is it Labor Day weekend, but it is a day that we remembered the victory and the freedom that we have in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.